Welcome to Phoenix Forged, the podcast that proves when you're forged in fire, you become strong as steel. I'm your guide, Samantha Sierra. Join me and my guests from around the world as we share our stories of triumph after trauma. Topics discussed during these conversations are hard. The stories may be difficult to hear, but they're important. They're proof that your past doesn't define your future. You do. Hi guys, it's me, Sam, and this week is another solo episode. Yep, it's time to hear a little bit more of my story. We last left off when I went to visit my mom when I was in the ninth grade, and I ended up staying. That decision was a pivotal decision in my life. Now, I know I ask all of my guests three questions, with one of them being, if you could go back in time and change anything, would you? Well, personally, I wouldn't, as I believe that I needed to go through everything that I went through in order to be the person that I am today. However, if I subscribe to the notion that if you could go back in time and change the past, the future would be better, this would be the moment I would go back to. Because for all the happiness I experienced in those quote-unquote honeymoon moments with my mom, I should have went back to New York to be with my dad and my siblings. But the feeling of not feeling like I needed to step up and take on all that responsibility for my younger siblings in my mom's absence, well, it was intoxicating. Now add that to the feeling of being reunited with my mom, who I'd not seen for months, was entirely too alluring. So alluring that I was blinded to the reality of her circumstances. When I first visited, they were living in a motel room that was, well, let's just say that the slummy motels you see in movies, well, they exist in reality also. Her boyfriend at the time, who would later go on to become her second husband, yep, the abusive one, well, he was also a drug dealer, and what better place to sell crack than from a motel where crackheads hung out. It was during my brief stay there that I learned compassion for addicts. So many good people strung out doing things that they were clearly ashamed of just to get their next fix. I would talk with some of them when they weren't high, and they would tell me of their past lives and families, and I always wondered why they didn't just stop doing drugs. It seemed so simple. I realize now that isn't how addiction works, and for many, addiction's actually a death sentence. I'm actually so grateful that I never turned to drugs, because the amount of pain that I held in well, let's just say it wouldn't have been a good combination. Anyway, there was no physical abuse that I witnessed at that point in my mom's relationship, but that doesn't mean there wasn't verbal or mental. I would escape to another hotel room to hang out with my mom's friend when they would argue. And actually, now that I think about it, I was sent there by him when people would come over, likely so I wouldn't witness drug deals, which would have raised red flags for me about staying there. It wasn't until after I had already agreed to stay and we had moved into a house not far from that motel that I even learned about the drug thing. And even though I had been taught that it was wrong, I never spoke up about it. I just pretended like it was normal. And that was the beginning of pretending like everything was normal when it wasn't. I remember one night so 
vividly. We had been at his cousin's apartment. We were hanging out and playing card games. And my mom and him started arguing about something. So we left. Well, where they lived, right when you turned out of the apartment complex, there was this long, steep hill that we would have to drive down. They were screaming at each other while he was driving down the hill. And my mom threatened to jump out of the van. Do it then, bitch. I don't give a fuck, he said. That I don't give a fuck was common for him. Well, she opened the door, and in an instant, she was no longer in the van. And still to this day, I don't know if she jumped, fell, or if he pushed her. But in that moment, when the van swerved, I wasn't sure if he had run her over or had missed her. He screeched the van to a halt and told me to run to get help. I could see the terror in his eyes and hear the weight of the moment in his voice. Now, this was before cell phones were everywhere. So there was no way to call someone on the spot. I tore the door to the van open and took off running uphill as fast as I possibly could, but nowhere near as fast as my mind was racing. My lungs burned, my heart was racing, but there was no way in hell I could stop. So I just kept running. And when I finally reached the apartment, I was so out of breath, I couldn't even convey to his cousins what had happened. I could only manage to get out a few words. Mom, van, fell, hurt, need help. My appearance had caused absolute panic and confusion. And by the time that I regained my ability to speak again, the headlights from the van entered the parking lot and made its way to us. This stupid bitch jumped out the fucking van, my now ex-stepfather proclaimed. She's fucking crazy. I'm staying here tonight. Fuck this bitch. Get in the van and go home with your crazy ass mama. The statement wasn't necessary. I was already on my way to the van, unsure of what I was going to see when I saw my mom. But this was the first time that I can remember him telling me directly to do something either for or with my crazy ass mama. Now, in the moment, these statements don't bear much weight. But when it happens repeatedly, Year after year, it's something that stays with you. At least, I know it did for me. Never wanting to have crazy be attached to me, to be something that could be weaponized against me, resulted in my belief that having mental health issues equaled being crazy. And crazy meant that it could be used against me. Now, for the record, I no longer believe this is true. And I fully support receiving help with mental health issues. In fact, it's a big regret of mine that when I was dealing with my depression and anxiety and daily panic attacks that I didn't seek help. It would have saved me a ton of time and effort and pain had I not been stubborn enough to decide to do it on my own. Now that night, we drove back to the house in silence. I immediately went to the freezer to get ice for my mom's eye that by this point had looked like someone shoved an egg under the skin of. It was completely swollen shut and was bright red and already starting to turn purple. At that point, she refused to go to the hospital out of, I don't know, fear, pride, so that she wouldn't have to answer questions. I'm not really sure, but we went home. And we sat on the couch without saying much to each other and watched movies as I held her head in my lap 
and watched tears stream from her eyes. But asking why in that moment was not the thing to do. And so I sat there and held space for her, not knowing that I was also creating a space within myself, a dark one that I would soon start to fill with more traumatic memories. And those, well, I guess you'll have to come back for future episodes if you want to hear more. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure to like and follow. And if you have someone that you feel would benefit from this podcast or would appreciate, then spread the word. Let them know about it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon.